So, you know, here in Gauteng, we're not used to anything farmish. When I, I went to a farm once and everyone laughed at me because they took me to a potato field, you know, where, where they had a whole field of potatoes. And they told me, yes, but the millies are looking amazing. And I said, uh-huh, uh-huh, they look amazing. And everyone was laughing at this townie that just knew nothing. So I get myself informed people if I want to speak farm, which today would be David DeVart. Hello, David. How are you doing? Well, and you? I'm doing fine, thanks. You would also have laughed at me, wouldn't you? I would very much be one of the ones. <laughs> no, you can't I would very do much that. Laugh at you, yeah. That's not nice. That's but I'm believing the best of you today because I'm a Christian and I have to. And I'm going to give you the yeah. opportunity to introduce yourself to this country. If you, if someone stands before you, they've never met you before, but they're meeting you at home in the kitchen with no shoes. Who is David Devart? Well, David Devart, in that case, would be a farmer. Um, he would not be singing. He would be wearing his khakis. He would very likely be washing his hands after a long day of working. So just a normal farmer. Yeah, but I see a farmer as someone who not necessarily would be the social type, you know. I, I see when I think farmer, I think isolation and people who have long hours of thought to themselves. Are you an extrovert or an introvert? I'd say in my personal capacity, I'm a uh, introvert. I, I, I'm more analytical. I think about things more and I spend a lot of time thinking about things before I do it. And I do a lot of research on any aspect of something I do before I take the action. But being in the music industry, I have to be in David DeVart's capacity. I have to be an extrovert. I need to be able to, to speak to people. I need to be able to convey a message. And in that regard, I would say a bit of both, actually. But if you're that meticulous kind of person, now I'm wondering about you and God, because, you know, God doesn't fit into any box. And people who like things to work out and the left-hand column to fit with the right-hand column sometimes have got problems when it comes to God saying, surrender to me, even if you don't understand, if, if you can't tick the boxes. Is that sometimes an issue between you and God? Well, let me tell you the story. Um, and that's why I haven't been singing for that long. My story actually begins roughly 12 years ago while I was sitting in the audition room trying to get into this conservatory at Pochestrum. And that's where my music education began. And I sat there. I've never had a day's worth of musical lessons. I've never played a piano. I've never read sheet music. I sat before that um, audition room and I prayed. And I said to the Heavenly Father, if, if I get into this school of music today, I know that I need to use my voice to convey a message and to tell people about you. And if I get in, I promise to do that. And that day, despite the fact that the School of Music was at full capacity and I was there too late for audition, they allowed me to audition and I got into the School of Music. And hmm. so I did my studies and then due to situations on the farm, I went back to the farm and I started farming and the music kind of dissipated because I tried to make a, uh, uh, I tried to get a balance between music and, and farming, but 
that will never happen in a case where you're a farmer because you work 24-7. You have, you have to be on call 24-7. And then, then the pandemic came in and then we were brought to our knees. Um, we, we were inches away, literally inches away from losing everything. And that's when I realized that I need to uphold my promise because I need to transfer everything into God's hands because um, he's, he's in control. And that's where my first single, My Land, was written. There's this invisible virus that takes everything it doesn't own and it just destroys everything. And the only way we can fight that is through prayer and, and believing in, in our Heavenly Father. And from that, my second single, which we are talking about now, on Ho Om, was basically an answer to that, where I realized I need to um, remember God in situations, whether it's going bad or whether it's going well. In each case, you need to pray. You need to be thoughtful of your faith. And... Um, that's basically the story. Hmm. I want to ask you another one. I, and I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but Romans one twenty says that God uses everything that he created and he created it in such a way that it's a revelation of who he is and his invisible things. So we like looking at stuff that he has created himself and then to try and find out, okay, so what did he reveal about himself in this thing? And now we've already looked at so many different things that he's created, everything from minerals to um, clouds to insects to birds to anything like that. But you work with potatoes. And I'm thinking to myself, something that is so in the ground and so, you know, you know the characteristics of something like a potato. And if you had to look at this thing that you work with every single day of your life and you had to fathom, so what did God want to reveal about himself in this veggie that I have in my hands, what would you say? The fact that you put something in the soil that looks nothing like the end product of, of what you're trying to grow. If you're looking at a potato, if you're looking at a butternut, if you're looking at, at, at corn, if you're looking at anything that you plant, the fact that you put something in soil and it actually germinates on its own without any help, it knows when the soil temperature, the soil moisture, everything is fine. It's, in my belief, it's a miracle that happens. Um, and to see each season when we start with a new crop, to put something in the soil, it's covered with ground. You don't even see any greens for about two to three weeks. 80% of your expenses are already incurred on that field and you don't see anything. Sure. And just about, just about two or three weeks, that you start seeing something coming alive out of that soil. And that to me is an absolute, absolute miracle. And it's, I can't tell you how intrigued I am to see that and to be able to do that every day with any type of crop that we do. Even in the hydroponic space, when we, we also do crops, I mean, you put something, a small seed like a tomato seed, it looks nothing like what a tomato looks like, but it germinates into something spectacular a beautiful bush, greens with vegetative growth. And then eventually it sprouts these beautiful, tasty, red, technically fruits mm. that you can eat. And it's an absolute miracle for me. I, that's how I see it. 
I'm just thinking all that time that it's under the ground. I mean, you as a farmer, you've seen it how many seasons by now. You know that something amazing is happening, even though you can't see it. Um, and God does, is, is, that's so much like he is. He does so much of what he does for us out of sight that we don't know. And then we've got to have faith and believe that he's doing something. I mean, you guys, you have got no control over the rain. You can't make it rain. That's a trust exercise every time. And I'm wondering whether it gets easier after how many seasons of being a farmer and seeing the same process happening, better or worse, depending on the year, if after all of these years, it's easier for you to start trusting God with other things that you can't see based on the evidence that you've seen in your farming? Well, uh, that's actually a difficult statement to answer, uh, but I'll put it to you this way. I'm the eldest son, sixth generation farmer in our family. And we've been planting a range of different varieties of crops. And my father, has now been a farmer for 35 years, I think. Uh, I speak under correction, but never in 35 years, and we do three to four seasons of crops per annum, and not one season is the same as the previous one, or the one before, or the one before. Each time there are different challenges that we need to face. So the only thing that we can do is out of experience, we know how to react. Like you said, nature is volatile, unpredictable. Now, we only know what to do after it happened. We can't predict what will happen. And in each case, if we think we can predict, the opposite happens. So the only thing we can do is to, to rectify and try to amend the, the issues afterwards. Um, and that's 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 through the grace of God and that's through experience that, 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 uh, that we've um, gained over the, over the generations and over the years. So let's get you music because now I'm thinking, yes, you're doing the farming. Obviously, this is generational. But this music thing, is it in your family? Are you the only one who's got this thing going or are there others but they've got a farm? So my parents aren't musical at all. My brothers aren't musical at all. Uh, <laughs> my my grandfather, my my dad's um, dad, is a brilliant, brilliant musician. He's eighty three right now, and he has played in typical Burmesic uh, orchestras, right? Mm. Um, and he can play anything from the accordion, everything related to that type of music. And he can do that without sheet music. He can do that just by listening. And he had quite a good voice. So I like to think that my ability was passed down by him because I have his names as well. But other than that, our family is not known <laughs> at all for music or the ability to sing. So how did you find out? How did you discover? Oh my word, this is something that I love when no one else in the family does. Actually, through my grandfather. Um, so being in a small, small town, um, a small farming community town, <laughs> you actually get to a stage where when you have your carol singing for, for Christmas, um, they just include people into the choir so that it actually looks like there's a bunch of people that can <laughs> sing. So <laughs> that exactly, exactly my job was to just stand there and do something so it looks like that we have a proper choir. And 
I think that was my first year of university. I came back from exams and he said, listen, you need to help us. And so we started singing Jerusalem, the one that Kay Korsten and Rinayuku is is well known for. And I started singing as I would be singing while driving in the car, driving in the bucky. And the organist stopped and everybody just looked at me and standing there in awe. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, I am singing very badly. I should just make no sound and pretend I'm singing. (laughs) And they actually said, you can sing. And I said, "Um, what do you mean? They said, no, you really, really can sing. You need to go and see someone. And that's where it started. So I went to the local music teacher and she confirmed, listen, there's something brewing there and we need to cultivate that. And from there, I went through this evolution of cultivating this passion to a sense where it's now something I live and breathe every time I get a chance. When I drive in the bucky, when I'm by myself, every time I just sing the whole time. Um, So that's basically where it comes from. It's so exciting discovering this thing that God had this treasure that he buried within you. And now it makes you live. I mean, and it's always a connection point with God. You know, I mean, he sings over us. So says Josephaniah, and he dances over us. So when you do it, it's something that makes you live. It makes you breathe. It's, it's, It's such fun. So when did you then decide, okay, It's one thing to actually sing something someone else has created, but the songs you are releasing, you wrote yourself. So where did you now write down, create your first melody, your first song? It's kind of difficult to say. Both singles that I've written are songs that are written by other people. I've basically um, wrote down my interpretation of that melody. Okay. I got a message through listening to that song, right? And the words said something else to me. The melody said something else to me. And I wrote what I felt out of that melody. And I believe through divine intervention, those words were written. Because I can promise you, I'm not a writer. (laughs) I'm not a writer. But nonetheless, those words came onto paper and we recorded that in studio. But I mean, that's what art is. It's feeding off someone else, something else. It always grows out of something. It doesn't come out of space. So if that's the way that God is creating something brand new through you, then Viva, that's wonderful. So let's listen to this new song of yours. The song that we have now received is is Ontaum, Remember Him. So tell us what this song is all about. So in essence, I, I wanted something to be very dramatic. My my love for classical music and opera, I wanted to create something that's memorable. But the message is saying that we are all now struggling through and recovering through a pandemic. But despite that, we need to remember our Heavenly Father in difficult times. And even as things turn around and we get the ability to breathe again and we can start walking again and we get back on our feet we mustn't forget how he's guided us out of this we must still be able to say thanks and still be in prayer and still be thankful and not forget what was given to us and how we were guided through these difficult times so in a nutshell remember him in good and bad times 